Good morning, my name's Chloe and it's Friday morning, like 9.15. Um, and when I said to my husband Sam that I was gonna be recording at this time, he said, that's a really bad time to record because you'll have heaps of noise from the preschool. Well, I didn't have another option of time to record, um, but I thought what a beautiful reminder of the mission field that's right next door for us to be remembering. Um, so if you do hear some noise from the preschool, can I encourage that to be a reminder for you to be praying for them, to be thinking about the really fertile soil that's actually up here on the plateau. And over the last two years, when since that we've been involved in that preschool and Sam's been running it, it's been a real privilege to get to know a lot of the families and to actually have parents asking us, does your church have kids ministries? Can you send us some links about um, Jesus? Because our kids have been asking who Jesus is. Can you send us some information about Easter? And so this is such a, a place for us to be praying for them. And I really look forward to a time when our church can be meeting here again. You know, next week there's going to be a meeting here. So if you can get here, I'd really encourage you to. Um, I look forward to having a church presence up here on Colorado Plateau where people go, there's something alive happening in that building. There's something coming from that building. And I know right now we can't be singing together. Um, and that actually makes me really sad uh, because the power of praise is so great. And I don't want us to be a generation who forgets that. Recently, Sam and I were just on a drive and we put on some worship music and it really just lifted my soul. And if you have been waiting for church to give you that worship, can I encourage you, don't wait. We don't know how long it will be. Please put on worship music in your home, declare the promises of God at home and be praising at home. Be praising as you drive through the streets of your neighborhood and declaring who God is. Don't wait. Keep doing that. We want to be a people that when we come back together to sing, we've all been practicing our praise and we're a stronger group of people at praise. Now, if you hear some people in the background, um, I've got James and Matthew and Kate here uh, watching me. I thought about Beth Moore. She's such a passionate preacher. And I thought, why is she so good at doing it on camera? And I was like, oh, because she's got people in the room who nod at her and who make a bit of noise. <laughs> so if you can hear people, that's who's here. Um, we're going to be carrying on in James today, James chapter 2, and Mike uh, really powerfully opened up the first half for us last week. If you missed that, go and watch the video. And James continues to call the people he's writing to, to account. He continues to say, come on, you were created for something better than this. And he's saying, there is more for you. And for everyone this morning, I really believe that that is the message God has for you that there is more for you, that God has something more for you today. Whether you're right at the start of your faith journey, whether you wouldn't perhaps even call yourself a Christian yet, or you've been a Christian all your life, there is more for you this morning for you to step out in faith. So let's pray and then we're going to read. Lord, we want to receive your call this morning. Father, we thank you that your love is never ending. Your faithfulness is never ending. And because of that, there is so much more adventure for us to be had with you. There is so much more for us to step out in our faith. And Father, I pray as we look into your word this morning that you would give us, each one of us, revelation in our heart. And that we would each feel challenged in practical application of this word this morning. 
that we'd be challenged as to how we're going to live our lives going forward from what you speak to us today. Amen. Okay, we're going to do this in two parts. I'm going to read the first half of the section that I've got and we'll come back to the other half later. So this is James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say to you, I have, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So James is writing to a people who grew up with a Jewish background. We know that from the start of the letter where he says to the 12 tribes of Israel scattered among the nations. And there are people who knew the way that God had, had designed the world. So as a real basic recap, God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he created them for covenant with him, relationship with him, to be walking with him. And he created them to have order over the garden which could be described as dominion um, and also an extension of his kingdom. So a real basic summary is that we were created for covenant with God and to be active in his kingdom. But sin came into the world and actually fractured both of those things, fractured our covenant relationship with God and fractured our ability to be able to move in his kingdom the way that he wanted us to. So he gave us Old Testament law, so the Ten Commandments, animal sacrifice, and then a couple of books of quite intricate law. And the Jews really did their best to keep them, or at least some of them did, but it was never quite enough to fully restore the covenant relationship with God or to restore the position that his people were meant to have in the kingdom of God. But then Jesus came in a story that most of you will know and gave his life on the cross for us. And that was more than enough. Where we were never enough, Jesus was more than enough. And grace was poured out so that we didn't have to do anything to be able to have access to God. And actually, he saved us. He diverted us from death to life. He diverted us from heaven, from hell to heaven, that we can live in heaven forever with God and have eternal life with God. And the people that James is writing to, it's like they'd fully embraced this grace. Like, Hallelujah. I don't have to do anything, which is true. You don't have to do anything to receive the salvation of Jesus. I don't have to do anything. And they took it a little bit too literally. I'm going to get lazy. I'm going to get complacent. I'm going to take that salvation tick on my life. I'm going to say, yep, I believe it. And then I'm going to live my life just like everybody else. And James is saying, no, you're meant to have faith that's visible, that's alive. When you don't use your faith, it's dead. He says, show, I'm going to show you my faith through my deeds. We were recently just down in Mollymook uh, with my brother-in-law and his wife and um, their three kids. And their oldest son, Judah, he really loves football. 
and he wears his football strip. The football season's over, but he's like wearing his football strip every day. If we go to the park, he's got a ball. We go to the beach, he's got a ball. We go to a barbecue, he's got a ball. And you're like, that's not that weird. That's all right, that's pretty normal boy behavior. We came back from the beach, everyone's exhausted. Our girls are like mooching on the couch, like, oh, I can't move. Judah's got a ball and he's kicking it up and down behind the couch, kicking to himself, Uncle Sam, do you wanna go play football with me? We came back from the holiday and Sam said to my daughter, do you know who the best football player in Australia is? And she goes, is it Judah? <laughs> like Judah, he just eludes football. But he never once had to come up to me and say, Auntie Chloe, I really love football. Because anyone who spends five minutes with Judah knows he really loves football. He goes to sleep cuddling a football. I've got photo evidence. Like, it just comes out of him. And James is saying, come on, you're meant to have a passion inside of you, a faith inside of you, that you don't need to say, oh, I'm a Christian. People can see it. You don't need to have a list of things. Judah doesn't wake up in the morning and go, right, I'm gonna be a pro football player, so I better kick my ball a hundred times, uh, put on my football strip, uh, go in the garden quite a lot. No, he just naturally wants to do these things. He gets to do these things because he's got a passion inside of him. And James is saying, come on, that's what faith is about. It's about actually wanting to do the things that God's done. It's about wanting to have a relationship with God and being used in his kingdom. And you get to have that because of Jesus. Salvation was just the start. Jesus, it wasn't meant to be, Jesus died on the cross, tick, I'm done. It was because Jesus died on the cross, I get to have relationship with God and I get to do all this stuff in the kingdom the way that it was meant to be. And so then he gives us two examples from the Old Testament. And they're such faith-building stories. I really love them. And I think that he chose these, and I think that they're significant because they're before Jesus. But also, Jesus shows up in a symbol in both of these stories. If you go and look into the Old Testament story, both of them, often as a lot of Old Testament stories, there's a bit of symbol, a foreshadowing of what Christ is going to do for us. But both in James and in Hebrews, when these people are commended for what they do, it's before the symbol of Jesus shows up. It's about what they did. It's not about what Jesus did. It's about what they did. They get to do things because of who God is, because of what Jesus did, but they're commended for their actions, for their faith. So the first part, he says, do you want evidence that your faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. If you don't know this story about Abraham, it's amazing. Go and read Genesis, spend some time in Genesis. It will build your faith. It's so amazing because God promises Abraham a son, even though he's really old and his wife is really old. And basically that ship had sailed and God shows up and goes, oh no, nothing's too hard for me. You'll have a son. And Abraham and Sarah didn't really believe him. They went on this walk of faith. And then God says, not only will you have a son, you'll have more descendants through this son than you can count stars in the sky. Time goes by, they have a son, the son grows up a bit, God shows up and says, okay, take your son and go and sacrifice him on the altar. And Abraham, in complete obedience to God, 
he goes with Isaac and they walk up the mountain. And poor Isaac looks up at his dad and goes, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then they get up the top of the mountain and he binds Isaac and he raises the knife. And at that point, the angel of the Lord appears and says, stop, don't hurt the boy. Now I know that you fear me. And it says in James that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. It was that point in the story that God said, I can see your faith. I know you trust me. I know you trust my promises. And our covenant relationship is being strengthened because of what you have just done, Abraham. And then the symbol of Jesus shows up. There's a ram caught in the bushes and he takes that ram and he sacrifices that instead. It's the substitution like Jesus for us as a symbol. But he's commended for what he did before that, for his actions, because he had a heart after God and he trusted God's promises. And it even says in Hebrews 11, he had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son and Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Abraham trusted the promises of God so much, he would rather believe in two things he had never seen before, that God would provide the lamb and that God could raise the dead. Like this is Genesis. It's not post-Jesus. This is He's never seen this before, but he'd rather believe in these two things than believe that God could possibly break his promise to Abraham that he could possibly break his promise. And then we come to Rahab. And in James it says, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So the story of Rahab is that the Israelites had been promised Jericho. It was the land for them. God had said, right, I'm gonna give you this land. And the people in Jericho had started to hear about the Israelites. And so when the spies came in, they actually, the, the Jericho, people in Jericho wanted to kill them, get rid of them. And Rahab hid the spies in her home. She actually put her life on the line, stood in between the spies and the people of Jericho, her own people. And he, she goes and speaks to the spies and she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. A great fear of you has fallen on us. All who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We heard, they'd all heard, everyone in Jericho had heard we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to these kings. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Everybody had heard that God was doing something big. Everybody had heard that there was a God who made a way where there was no way. But Rahab did something. Everybody knew it. It's not about saying, yep, I know there's a God. James says, even the demons know there's a God. It's not about saying, yep, I hear there's a powerful God out there. She said, 
I've heard about it and I'm actually going to put my life on the line because I want to protect you because you represent God. She did something with her faith. She's the only one who says, the Lord your God is God in heaven. Everybody else wanted to kill these spies, but she was the one who had faith and did something about it. And it's the same with Abraham. You know, he didn't stay at home and go, yep, God, I believe you. I believe that promise you gave me. What you're asking me to do right now doesn't really add up, sounds really risky. But I believe you, but I'm going to stay home. No, he had to go and God commended him. And with Rahab, she did something and God commended her. And then in a beautiful symbol of Jesus, the Israelites said to her, hang this blood red scarlet cord out of your window. And it was a symbol that the Israelites would have recognized as well from when they painted the Passover uh, the, the blood of the lamb at Passover, back when they were in Egypt. And she did that and she received salvation. She was saved from what the destruction that was coming, even though she didn't deserve it because of grace, because of Jesus. So you might be listening to these stories this morning and think these people sound like really big heroes of faith. Maybe my faith is a bit dead. Maybe my faith isn't quite alive as it should be. But you know, in Jesus Christ, your faith can be made alive today. If you just take the time to ask God right now and say, God, I want to grow my faith. I want to grow my faith. I don't want to have dead faith. I want to have functional faith. I want to be moving in covenant with you. I want to be moving in the kingdom. Then God will not say no. But he will ask you to use it. Faith is like a muscle. God gives them to us, but we have to use them to make them strong. I'm a personal testament to muscle atrophy. I've been very strong at different times in my life, but then every pregnancy, I've spent about 20 weeks lying on the couch. I'm in my fourth pregnancy now. I've spent a long time lying on the couch and my muscles feel so weak. It's actually really frustrating. I'd love to be stronger. But then I start to get a little bit of energy and I'm like, right, let's go for a walk. Let's start using these muscles. Let's start using them. And the first time I went for a walk with the girls, my muscles really ached. I actually struggled to keep up with them. But I was like, this is a good ache. This is a good pain because I need to be strong because I want to have functional muscle strength so I can look after my kids, so I can do my job at the hospital well. I need to have functional muscle strength. Your faith is meant to be functional. But to make your faith functional, you have to use it. You have to do things. Okay, so some of the things God might start asking you to do would be thinking about how you spend your money. Okay, he's promised to be your provider. When you have a promise, you hold God at that promise and then you say, right, God, what do you want me to do with my money? He says, well, I'm going to provide for you. So you can trust him when he asks you to do crazy things because it always comes through for you. And then as he comes through from you, with, for you, you build your relationship with God, your covenant relationship with God gets stronger. You're able to be more effective in the kingdom because you're generous with what God has given you. And then next time around, you feel better about stepping out of faith. That muscle gets stronger. Your faith muscle gets stronger. He might start saying, I want you to start telling people what you do on the weekend. And I know it's weird in lockdown because actually most of the time we're not going to church or some of you are going to home church. But... That was something for us, for Sam and I, that was a little bit scary, actually, um, because the people that we're starting to become friends with are also our clients at the preschool. 
and we didn't want to be the weird and wacky Christians, but we also wanted to be honest and we saw this as a great opportunity, but we didn't want to blow it. And so when people started asking us, what do you do on the weekend? We definitely were quite hesitant at the start. We even had people come around going, oh, it's not a Christian preschool, is it? But then over time, you know, people started, uh, someone caught me on the way to a rehearsal. Where are you going? I'm going to a band rehearsal. Oh, cool. What kind of a band are you in? Oh, it's, it's the worship band, actually. <laughs> and oh, what kind of church do you go to? And it's kind of a stepping out in the, like being honest and answering questions. And... Um, just as we were coming out of lockdown, this family that God has really put on our hearts, they came around for a meal. And this is a family that um, God just kept putting in front of us everywhere we went. And we started praying for them. And even praying for them was a bit of a step of faith for us because we um, haven't seen a whole lot of success in people becoming Christians. And, um, and we started praying for them that we would have opportunity to have conversations that we would have opportunity to pray with them, that there would be changes in the relationship. It wouldn't just be, hey, come round, let's have drinks and cheese and wine or whatever, but actually let's take this a step further. And after we came out of lockdown, they came round for pizza, they're sitting around and they said to us, hey guys, we've been thinking about church. We've been thinking about coming. Can you tell us about your church? Can you tell us about what it means to be a Christian in this world where mental health is all over the place and we kept chatting and in that conversation the husband actually said to me Chloe I'm so jealous of you you have faith I don't have that and I was so humbled because I was like even the fact that I prayed for you I was like I felt like I couldn't even do that and we're starting to step out but you're starting to see God come through but that doesn't happen if you don't step out and make friends with people who aren't Christians. It doesn't happen if you don't put yourself in situations where actually you can speak into people's lives and you're honest with them. If you never tell anybody what you did on the weekend or how you spend your time or the way you live, no one's going to know. You need to be honest and step out in faith. There might be some practical ministries that God's wanting you to step out in. And I know it's really easy in lockdown to be complacent and go, I'll just wait for church to start up again. But if God's put something on your heart and it might be kids ministry or it might be uh, something in outreach, it might be serving at a charity, it might be getting involved in food care, it might be different areas. Don't just sit and wait and think, I'll wait for someone else to start that up. Start praying, start stepping out in faith. It might actually cost you some time or some money there might even be a few setbacks along the way, but if you feel God prompting you in something, start taking that step of faith. It doesn't always make sense until you get there. Another really great way to grow your faith is to get the promises of God in you. And you get that through reading the Bible, but not just reading it, writing it down. We don't actually have a printer at our house. I had to write down all the scriptures this morning. Um, but it was a really great exercise because I really got them into my heart as I was writing them down. And it's a skill that, you know, go back 20 years and I'll be like, yeah, of course, that's what we used to do all the time. <laughs> but it's really great to be really practical and go, I'm going to memorize this promise of God. I'm going to stick it up around my house. And I'm going to, every time I boil the kettle, right there is that promise of God. Get the promises of God in you. It's so much easier to step out in faith when you believe God and you know God. 
And I think that for some of you this morning, God's challenging you, you need to spend more time in his word. You need to spend more time reading his word and letting him speak to you and changing your heart and taking the word of God as alive and active and not just as a nice old story, but something that's there to change your life. So hopefully when you guys are meeting in your home churches, connect groups, Zoom groups, however you guys are meeting, can I encourage you to be sharing your faith with each other? As you start to share what God's doing, it will grow our faith collectively. We want to be a people that come back together after lockdown is over, after various restrictions are over, who have stronger faith muscles, who come together and say, guess what God has done in my life during this time? I've got so much more to bring to the meetings that we have because guess what God's doing in my life every day? Guess what's happening? And so we come together stronger. Get your eyes fixed on God. Take this time to praise, to worship, to read, and to start stepping out in your faith. Don't wait for someone else to come and challenge you. This is the challenge. Start stepping out now. Start doing something with your faith. And in your groups, I would love you to brainstorm some more ideas, share what's on your heart, share the things God's been talking to you about, pray with each other, just equip each other to be stepping out in faith. Let's pray. Father, we, we really want to move forward in our faith with you because it's so exciting. We want to be growing in our relationship with you. We want to be effective in your kingdom. Lord, would you grow us? Would you keep us from being a people who are complacent, who are happy to just stop at the salvation tick? We want a people who go, I'm so excited I'm saved. And I'm so excited I get to use this every day. And I get to have relationship with God as it was meant to be. And I get to move in the kingdom as I was meant to. And Lord, would you continue to challenge us and grow us and make us a people who are known for their faith, that have faith just coming out of them, just like Judah with his football. You can see it a mile off, that there is faith inside of us. We are a people passionate about God and a people passionate about his kingdom. And Lord, we pray for breakthrough in our communities. We want to see absolute breakthrough, salvation and change of life. We want to see, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. Amen. Amen.